Welcome to Box Out Banter, where we are off the injury list, although we might be on, depending, given given how everything else has gone this this last week, uh, we, we might last soon be on weeks. the we soon we soon we too might soon be on the injured uh, injured the injury list. report list. Yep. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, before we start anything. Uh, Mr. Jordan Christmas. I do want to say uh, rest in beast to Mr. Elgin Baylor, legend yes. of legends. Uh, yeah. And someone I think gets overlooked in a lot of like a goat and like greatest of all time and, and just top players of all time talk. Um, He's definitely like always... an underrated. He's an underrated great for sure. Yeah. Like he, he was kind of the original Michael Jordan, Elgin, or not, not Elgin Baylor. His original like Dr. J style, like. Skywalker kind of guy, um, scoring from the perimeter and all that stuff. Yeah. he was a hellacious uh, rebounder, also yeah. at six five. I mean, I would, I was looking at some of his seasons earlier this morning, and he had a season where he averaged thirty eight and eighteen, <laughs> and like thirty five and twenty almost. Like he was, he was ridiculous and uh, definitely an underrated grade. And you know, we've lost, uh, we've lost. Unfortunately, we've lost a few w- legends in not just the NBA, but just the sport of basketball in general. Um, but uh, Elgin was definitely, he's he was definitely an underrated great. Obviously way past our time, but just one of those players you look at the basketball reference page and you're just like, whoa, holy shit. <laughs> and even, even when you look at, like, I feel like every time someone brings up old highlights, like you bring up Bob Cousy or you bring up, you know, even, even Wilt and, and Russell, when you look at highlights, you're like, man, th- this is a different era of basketball. When you yeah. look at Elgin, man, Elgin looks like he would fit in the modern day NBA. Yeah, especially if uh, you think about, may he probably be shooting more, uh, more threes, obviously. But I mean, he had he had handle. It looked from just the grainy footage you could see, like he he had handle. He could score from the perimeter. He had uh, some nice flip shots for a six five guard. To the basket. Yeah, he's getting to the, the basket. basket. Like he plays like what a modern day wing does, and like you could tell that that's where a lot of he the had stuff three. He had three straight. He, he had three straight seasons uh, early in his career, from his second year to his from his second year to his fourth year. He averaged. He had three seasons of averaging over eleven free throw attempts per game. Um, so was it also I assume was just a bruiser, especially because he was one of the bigger forwards slash guards at the time right so but yeah definitely I, I a did, legend Rest i did peace. want to pay pay respects before we get started here and uh moving on in uh to kind of before we move to the the tier list stuff i do want to talk about the brash of injuries that we've run into over the last two weeks um, yeah with obviously lebron is kind of major the major one um two Lamello, yeah, Lamelo uh, and Steph, um, and among among other names, but those are sort of the big the big ones that Joel, come to mind yeah. right away. Joel Embiid as well. Um, you know, they our our two top MVP runner up, our favorites, uh, went yeah. down over the last two weeks. Um, so how do how do you feel? Um, well, one I feel bad for. Obviously, I feel bad for Embiid because that's obviously that's the thing that's always going to stick with him. Uh, kind of more so in a way, I'm like, 
like Anthony Davis, but not at the same time, where you know they just get those those nicked up injuries every game that they pick up, and you're just you're a little worried. Like, are they going to come back? And then they end up coming back, but they kind of just have nagging little injuries. Yeah. And Embiid, unfortunately, is one of those two a uh, a greater extent. I feel bad because he was finally putting it together by the All Star break. To me, he was. For me, at least, when I say clear front runner, I mean he was kind of. I mean he was ahead of LeBron. Like I had Embiid, then LeBron, in kind of like the next tier, and then Jokic behind him, and Giannis kind of like in a separate tier also. But um, when he went down with that injury, one, it looked bad. He put all of his two hundred and eighty pounds on one leg, and yeah. you're obviously just sitting there, and you're. Your heart's just dropping. You don't even care about the fact that the Sixers are destroying the Wizards The Wizards at that point. You just kind of wonder what's going to happen. And thankfully, it was just a bone bruise. And um, you, it kind of stinks because this was the season he was putting it together. You don't get many chances, I imagine, in an NBA career to win an MVP award. So it does kind of suck from that standpoint. But... Health is the number one most important thing for the Sixers right now. Somehow they're still the number one seed. They're winning games without Embiid, which was a trend that wasn't uh, present earlier in the season. Um, so he gets reviewed. He gets uh, looked over by the end of the week, and we'll see if he comes back. Um, and then LeBron going down. I mean that that injury. I didn't see the game live, um, but I. Uh, I saw the uh, I saw the injury, obviously, and you know whenever LeBron like sprains an ankle or like hurts his hand or something like that, you know he kind of just rubs some dirt on it and comes back, right? But when you just saw him, oh, when you saw him just grabbing his leg and wincing in pain, yeah, I've never seen it, LeBron have that before. Yeah, yeah, and it happened. It I I felt bad because you were you know you were having a great day. I'm sure it was a Saturday. It was, it was a Saturday. You were celebrating your kid's birthday, and then LeBron's injury just happens on that day, and you're just like, at this point, they're the Lakers are just going to 2001 it, right? It looks like. Yeah, it looks like that's going to be the case. Um, and so yeah, I, we'll we'll talk about it as we go over the teams. I'm not too worried. I'd actually think this is kind of a blessing in disguise in a weird way, uh, but. Well, we we can get into that as we get to the tier list. But yeah, I, right. I was just surprised with all of these injuries. I mean, we're still not 100% sure about Lamelo uh, because yeah, yeah. He's, getting, he's getting second opinions on trying to get trying to play through the rest of the year. Everybody's uh, favorite league pass team of the year, the Hornets. Absolutely. They are so much fun to watch. But yeah, I think... And not uh, to sound hipster, but I kind of feel like, you know, based on our podcast episodes, we were kind of, you know, at the front of the line filling we up were. the... Uh, general hey, admissions for at the concert you know <laughs> we were we were talking a lot about Lamelo ball before he got even drafted we didn't even know where he was going. and he's we even like, better than he's even better than what we thought so it's kind yeah. of just like it's kind of just like if you were in early on the hornets and in on hornet stock you're it's more than just diamond hands cashing in at this point to to be fair though we were saying they should tank for Kate, but still. oh yeah no 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 <laughs> i I still would have I I didn't think Lamelo. I'm just talking about strictly Lamelo being this good. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm not talking definitely. about the Hornet. I had no idea, <laughs> dude. The Horn. This is all a complete surprise, is what I'm saying. Like this, if you were in on the Hornets as like your fun league pass team before the season started, this has to be like 
icing on the cake you know you're just like wow you're like wow this team was is way better than i (laughs) thought they are somehow always in tight games and pulling it out (laughs) like if you have you looked at their clutch stats like yeah it's ridiculous they've been ridiculous terry Terry rogier ridiculous in the clutch he's like their number one guy Lamelo as a rookie is like a plus one on the net rating side in the fourth quarter which i feel like for rookies that's kind of tough to do like he was good too, and then of course, obviously Steph's injury as well. Like, it's it's there's been a lot of injuries this year. It seems like a lot of teams have been playing like over ten different lineups and all that stuff. It's like we thought it was a, it was a weird season. It's a weird season. Yeah. Uh. So let's let's get in. Let's before we off rail too hard. Let's dive into the season. Then let's dive into this tier list. Um, okay. So this is so, an updated tier list. Updated I also tier list. Re- renamed the t- some of the tiers like I did last <laughs> time. Uh, okay, but uh, you want to you want to lead us off with your with your names? Okay, let's start off with tier tier one. I titled it. Sorry, I know this is cheap, but they are still the favorites, and I put an asterisk <laughs> next to the number one. But if Anthony Davis, if this all depends on Anthony Davis's health going into the playoffs, and if he gets a you know in game shape by the playoffs, but I don't care if like they're the sixth seed going into the playoffs. If the Lakers show me a few good weeks of putting it together before the season's over, I feel comfortable, you know, picking them wherever they are. I think yeah. this is, I think on paper, this is still a really great roster top down, even if maybe Laker fans want to kill Gasol every once in a while. Um, he'll, I, he's going to show up and make smart plays in the playoffs. Um, LeBron is still LeBron. Um, I I know it's weary to I know it's a little insane to say that a 36 year old with a high ankle sprain who is nearing 50,000 minutes is going to be okay. But at this point, I cannot point to anything else but to say, okay, I think LeBron's going to come back. It's kind of like you know Brady versus age at this point. Um, but the, it. I'm not so the thing is I'm not so sure about Anthony Davis. And if Anthony Davis isn't healthy, then I think the West is absolutely wide open. So I put the Lakers in their own tier with an asterisk. If Anthony Davis is healthy. If not, I put the I probably put them back in the tier two with the the other teams we're probably gonna talk about next. Yeah, so I, I have them at one. Obviously I'm a Laker fan. So I have them at one. I think the thing last night that kind of showed me was the Lakers played the Suns tough last night. And it was a thing where it gave me a little bit more hope because this season they've kind of been, we've talked about it a ton, but they've been really lazy and they've been kind of like lackadaisically going through the season. And so last night they it was one of the first times I've really seen them try. And obviously they tried because they didn't have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And so, and they gave the Suns all they could handle. I mean, the Suns pulled away at the end, but I think like they were in the game the entire time, which is more than I expected for them to play playing a team like the Suns that are deep, that are good. Um, I expected to fully get blown out by the Suns. And so the mm. the little effort that I saw was enough to convince me that, okay, if we can get LeBron and AD back. Wasn't it like an eight-point game at one point, too? It was like a six-point game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, in the fourth and then, quarter, yeah. And so, like, you know, to me, when, you, when we don't have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Suns are at full strength, and obviously they're not taking it as seriously as as any team either, either. but i mean the thing Maybe is it was just a taking care of business type they're game. taking care of business kind of game yeah so i mean it is a thing where it's a fire that i hadn't seen from the lakers this season yet and like it's something that gave me a lot of hope of like okay if they can get the stars back and we head into the playoffs i don't think 
I think we're still the favorites. And I think like in a weird way, I have faith in LeBron to be able to recover and it saves him, you know, what, maybe 15, 20 games of uh, wear and tear on his legs yeah. to push towards the playoffs. And like, that's kind of what happens last year or, you know, during the bubble where we had that break in the middle and obviously LeBron's going to be rehabbing and working out the entire time. But I mean, it, it's a, it's a break right before the playoffs where they can just kind of go off and go nuts. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise for both LeBron and AD to kind of sit and have this time to rest and, and go through rehab and uh, not be playing every day uh, and, and going through this process. And obviously they're taking their time and, and AD has been shooting around for the first time, I think in the first couple of weeks. Um, so I think with AD, some... the first he came back too early the first time, yeah. and you know, and then because honestly, when he hurt his, when he reaggravated his injury against the Nuggets, like the way he was walking, it was, it, I thought it was going to be a m- more than a three to four week timetable, like they were saying, or it still looks like it's going to be longer than that, obviously. But I, my point is, I thought it was going to be a bit worse than that. Um, so I, I imagine they are going to be taking their time. I think they, they were in a. The Lakers were in a non they they were in a lose lose situation with the season. Yeah, or I'd say a win a win lose that they would gladly take every time. They won the championship, but the fact that the season turned around so fast for an older team like that, um, I imagine kind of caught up with them a little bit too. They still have the number one rated defense, which is crazy because Philadelphia's defense over the last two and a half weeks has been leading the league by far in defensive rating. So the fact that the Lakers are still leading in defensive rating overall just shows that they still have that identity that they could kind of maybe tread water. I know their offense is not, you know, good. It's middle of the pack and it's definitely not great when LeBron is out of the lineup. So we're going to have to see maybe Frank Vogel can speed up the pace a little bit, get Dennis going um, a little bit more and things like that. But by markets coming, the Lakers are going to be big players. We have tough spots for two players. In the buyout market, yeah, yeah, stuff, so, stuff, buyout maneuverability, any of that stuff. Um, I don't think they should be making too crazy of moves, though. No, just I think picking up big. a big and a yeah, picking up a yeah. big and a and a shooter. So like any kind of if, if you know, yeah, a Drummond and you know, Ariza is not going to get dropped, but someone like that, just a three and D wing, I think yeah. that would help a lot. Yeah, uh, that would be uh, yeah, that would that would be ideal for the like. Yeah, I don't think the Heat are gonna drop Ariza. <laughs> no, not just trading for him. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. The, that that style that type of player. player. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about the Lakers. It's just 80s health for me. That's the main sticky point sure. I have with this. It's totally fair. Yeah, I, I think I I think we we're, we're in agreement that if if healthy, even if they're the eighth seed limping into the playoffs, I'd still take them over. Yeah, I would the still entire take team. Them. Yeah. Um, all right. So on to the next tier. This is the uh, interesting part. This is where it gets interesting. <laughs> all right. I'll let you go first. Uh, uh, how many teams do you have in this tier? Or, you know, you, you, you have the floor. I have, I, have, I have two teams in this tier. Well, actually, sorry. I have one team in this tier. One team? Yeah, I have the Suns. Okay. I think the it... Suns are clear favorite behind the Lakers. All right. I think they've separated themselves from every other team. They're the only team that I don't have questions about and that I believe in. (laughs) We'll get into the team that I don't believe in. I think it's the same team you don't believe in either. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
All right. like, I, I think I think they've separated themselves uh, amongst the other top contenders. And then my next tier has like uh, the bulk of most of the teams that we're going to discuss. I was noticing something too. The West drops off a cliff after the top five. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, it, no, it drops off after the top six because uh, Portland and uh, Denver have the same record right now. And oh, I just mean in terms the, of like teams that I trust. I don't trust. I don't trust oh, Portland to keep this up. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about just the state. No, in general. no, I'm just saying like in terms of teams that I trust to be able to win a championship and like the teams that I would bet on to like mm. to win in in playoffs. I. I th- I think it drops off a cliff after death of the top five. Okay. Um yeah, no, I I look, I was looking at my updated tier list before we got on and I put Phoenix over Utah, like <laughs> at the top of my at the top of my tier. Because I was thinking about it and it was like there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of variables and formulas and a lot of bullshit we like to make up so we can justify our reasons for why <laughs> I just don't stuff. believe in them. And and I and I and I have that too, you know. So you know, I'm fully admitting it. I tr- the trust factor with this team, even though they haven't been in the playoffs in ten years, I just I like the makeup of this team and the identity of this team when it's nut cut in time in the playoffs. One because they have one of the greatest clutch players ever in Chris Paul. They have leaders. One of the greatest leaders ever in Chris Paul or the point God himself in Chris Paul. Um, They have Devin Booker, who is also one. He's a mid range master. He could get a shot anywhere he wants on the court. He's lethal off the dribble. We all know Devin Booker's uh, work as, you know, one of the best two guards in the NBA. And I just feel like those two guys alone, when it's the playoffs and you're more reliant on half-court scoring, that is the team that I trust, that I know I could get a bucket within the last five minutes. They also seem to be figuring out, they have figured out their identity. Um, Unfortunately, DeAndre Ayton has had a weirdly inconsistent season. His defense has taken a step back, and also he's kind of been reduced to this catch radius guy about around the basket, but for some reason his hands aren't as soft as they were last year. He's fumbling the ball. He's not going up with authority so like I wish he like he has in the past. Like I think DeAndre Ayton is a really good player. But it just seems like he's still trying to find himself. And they've been closing more with Dario Saric at the five. Aiton and Saric at the four and the five, you know, can work, obviously. But for some reason, Dario at the five has just been just magic for Phoenix. Mikel Bridges, man, that that trade is just, as a Sixer fan, that trade is just killing me every single time I see Mikel Bridges play. Because he's more than a three and D player, dude. Like... He's yeah. driving to the basket. He's mixing. He's over the last month. He's been averaging almost four assists a game. Like this, he's been. He is c- continually adding stuff to his game, and he's going to be more. He's going to be getting paid uh, this off season. I, I know there's uh, there's some questions about like who do you pay first, uh, Bridges or Aiton? Uh, they can afford both. I think they should pay both. Um, but the Suns have a lot of versatility, man, and they have you know. The gritty pieces like Saric, Javon Carter has hasn't hardly played, but I think he's a good guard. I think this team is deep. They might be like a wing away, or you know, a half a wing away to maybe take away some of Jay Crowder's minutes if they don't move Jay Crowder to the bench. Um, but 
I really love the makeup of this team, man. They had an identity to start the year. They were a really good defensive team, and now their offense has caught up to them, and now they're eighth in offensive rating uh, per cleaning the glass. And, yeah, they they are just solid top down, and they have two great players. So I also put the Suns over the Jazz, even though I respect a lot of what the Jazz do, but I have the Suns and the Jazz and the Clippers just in a tier. But I didn't do the separate tier for the Suns because I still want to see them do it. But I have them at the top of the pack for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I I completely agree with what you're saying. For me, it's just a thing. I just believe in this team so much. I remember I picked them in the Western Conference Finals to begin with. Oh, yeah. Um, That was was one of your hot takes. I remember that. And I was on it early. Yeah, I was like, dude, this team is really, really fucking good. And so, uh, yeah, they I've been watching them all year, and they like I love the growth. Mm-hmm. I my my worry was Booker. I didn't know if he struggled earlier in the season to fit into the Chris Paul centric offense. Like, I didn't know if he could fit in an offense that wasn't predicated around him and wasn't moving was a lot slower than what he was used to. Um, yeah. But he's he's come on the second half, and he's really come well not even the second half, but he's come on the last couple months and like really showed that he can play with his style and he's playing really well. Um, I agree with you on Aiton. I think that the thing is that I see every time with Aiton is Chris Paul is really forcing Aiton to grow. Like he is, he is not letting Aiton go in terms of like, I think this is going to be like a year, like this is going to be a a semi long-term thing with Aiton, just figuring out where he's going to be at. Yeah. But I think Chris Paul is dedicated and, determined to get Aiton going and get Aiton to his place where he needs right. to be. Because right. every time I watch him, he is, he is in, in his, his ear. ear. He's telling him where to go. He's telling him where to, where to spin, where to, so is where book to slide. So the book yeah. has been doing it as well. Yeah. So, you know, I think they understand his potential and I think they, they're, they're working with him and to get there. So I fully expect him to, you know, not be a negative and to be a net positive on the court when it comes to playoff time. We'll see. But I, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of faith in him. And again, I, I just love his raw potential. Um, but yeah, same. But yeah, I think uh, for me, it, it's Lakers, Suns, and I have you know I have the gaps between them, and then I have the gap then there, and then I have the, a third tier that is uh, Jazz, Clippers, Nuggets. Okay, see, I have a I have a drop. We might have we might have the tiers listed differently, but the teams kind of maybe in the same the, order, right? In the in the yeah, I imagine in the same order. But I have the Nuggets in a tier three, so I put the okay. Sun. So for tier two, for me, I put conference final contenders. Like, who are the teams where I know they can make? They have a good shot at making the conference finals. Like, I would not be shocked if I saw them playing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, right? So, obviously, I put the Suns ahead of them. I put the Jazz here, even though I do think in some ways, while I see their style making it to the Western Conference Finals, uh, I do think they're also kind of frauds in the sense that um, they... I feel like once they run into a team like the Suns or the Lakers or even the Clippers, where they just have each team has two elite guys that could just destroy their defense, no matter what kind of coverage they throw at it. um, I feel like the Jazz will be in trouble. 
I do think their saving grace for the Jazz is that they attempt a lot of three-pointers and they have four guys that could attack a closeout and make the correct decision. And then they have Donovan Mitchell, who, honestly, that's the only guy I see that's one of those. He showed it last year in the playoffs, but he's one of the only guys on that team that's the tough shot bucket getter. But the thing with Mitchell is, when he's on, it looks great. But if you, you know, say, for example... See, say for example, you watch the you watch the Sixers game before the before the uh, All Star break, and it came down to the wire, and it was Embiid versus Mitchell. Um, who would you take in that situation? Well, obviously, you would take Embiid, and that it proved to be the case. Mitchell started taking over, and you know he made some tough shots, but then he started shooting his team out of the game, and ended up being like 12 for 34 or something like that. So Mitchell will have those games as talented as he is. And I think he's taken a leap this year. I do think that the jazz are weaker in that department in terms of having that, you know, talented explosive score that can give you that consistency all playoffs. I think Mitchell could do it. He did it for a round, but the jazz are definitely the weakest in that department. And also, I feel like their style, if you could gum it up a little bit, there there won't be another alternative plan other than maybe going to Mitchell and being like, hey, go create a bucket. And the Jazz have been fun this year. Like I said, they it's, um, it's a little bit 2014 Spurs-esque in the way that just nightly you would see clips of them just where the ball's popping around the perimeter. And it ends up in either an easy Rudy Gobert dunk once the ball moves side to side or Mike Conley runs pick and roll with Gobert, and that chemistry has been ignited this year. But I just think the Jazz, I, I just can't see the Jazz coming out of the West. And honestly, if they played the Suns in a series, I could I would probably take the Suns just because of what we were talking about earlier. I just, I just think there are two teams, maybe three with the Clippers. I have some reservations about the Clippers on the defensive side of the ball that we'll probably talk about, but... I just don't think the Jazz can the Jazz make the Western Conference Finals. Absolutely, can they get out of it? No, they cannot. And also, I just the U, I'm still a little bit charged up from that Sixers win over the Jazz, just because Utah fans are just. It, I just th- yeah, they're <laughs> literally the worst. Um, there's always stories about players hearing racist stuff thrown at them in the games. So SL, SLC Dunk, the SB Nation blog, is one of the most insufferable Twitter accounts that I have seen over the years and the most insufferable blogs I have seen over the years. So when I saw that, <laughs> when I saw that the Jazz, or when the Jazz lost to the Sixers, of course, Sixers Twitter had their night because the Jazz got all mad because of the foul calls and all that stuff, even though their presumed defensive player of the year could not stop Embiid and was moved by Embiid like a ragdoll. Um, and then for them to get to be the last two picks in the All Star draft, not gonna lie, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, those funny. are my thoughts on those. Those are my thoughts on the Jazz. Utah sucks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was laughing because I was I was like, man, we're gonna we're gonna really slander the Jazz. Yeah, I just don't believe in them. I think I totally agree with you, Don Mitchell. I he has the sort of shooters mentality that i appreciate and i respect but i just like don't. an unstable gas can <laughs> yeah you know he has that like yeah i'm gonna go off and you're like cool uh could you not <laughs> like we have a good team we don't need to do that yeah and then he'll just go off and he'll just try to like shoot his way like it's a 
it's the chip on your shoulder thing. It's the same thing that I don't know if you're hearing the rumors with Trey Young, where yeah. you know he has the it's the chip on your shoulder which you love. You love the fire, but then you also have the uh, overwhelming need to prove yourself. Where you then take your game, you take your team out yeah. of out of the game by trying to prove yourself. But I want to be fair just... because I do think he's gotten better at that this year. That's why the Jazz have been so great offensively, uh, even though they've been going through this weird stretch lately. But there are games where you see it just coming out, and it's like, oh, there it. You're like, oh, there it is. There's a uh, there's the Frankenstein eye I see. <laughs> like, and then the and then the he turns back into a normal human. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, you see it. You see it. Yeah, so I totally, I totally agree with you there. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't believe in them. Uh, as as bad as it sounds, like I just don't have any kind of faith in them as a team, um, or I don't have faith in them to keep this going into the playoffs. And so yeah, that's why I have them lower. Um, Clippers, I also have concerns. It, it goes back to the same concern that I had, uh, that I had before with um, with them being a jump shooting team and them not being able to create easy baskets. I think if they get Lonzo Ball, it doesn't. It helps, but it doesn't quite solve their issue because uh, Lonzo is also just a shooter. He is not a – he can dart at the basket. He doesn't have that aggressive mentality, though, so he doesn't do it. Um, but, yeah, the – The only the, two guys who really do it uh, semi-consistently are Paul, George, and Kawhi, and then the rest of the guys, they're just – they're all jump shooters. And yeah, but even even Paul, George, and Kawhi, they're not natural go-to-the-basket. Yeah. Like, that's, they're not their first That's why I said semi. Yeah, so like it just makes it so weird because I think that I personally I think that's why they give up a lot of games at the end is because they don't they have no way to generate easy baskets. They're rel- completely reliant on their jump shooting, and I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know how much Clippers games you watch. Kawhi's knees, yeah, especially yeah. at the end of games, <clears throat> he does not move the same. Yeah, that that's the other thing uh, too is. Uh... Kawhi has been known to have this thing going on with his leg. We'll and, find out eventually, like at yeah. the end of his career, but there's something. Yeah. It's like he needs it's like he needs rest every few days just to recharge or whatever. He's still playing great this year. It's almost identical stuff to his Toronto because he was there there was a stretch where he was in the MVP conversation for a while too. Yeah. But my main concern with the Clippers is, yes, they don't have that Lonzo, or even I think Kyle Lowry would make any team, would move any team sure. into the next year. Um, but that connector, that they still don't have that point guard that, you know, is situationally aware, um, can control the pace, you know, make the right play, can get the guy, the teams into their offensive sets. Um, as much as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have taken leaps as playmakers, it's not like it's not. It, it's more so they're creating off of each other as opposed to you know putting the team in offensive sets and yeah. you know naturally reading the defense on the fly instead of you know isoing at the top and then asking for a screen. My other concern about the Clippers is they are just not an elite defense anymore. No. Um, last year they were an elite defense, and that was. With, and that was with half of the time playing without both Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, now they are, now they're twenty first in defensive rating per cleaning the glass. They allow one hundred and thirteen points per one hundred possessions. The offense is obviously still there. A lot of the offensive stuff statistically is similar to you know the Doc Rivers team last year, which is you know kind of 
not concerning, but it's interesting considering a coaching change is what was allegedly needed. But their defense has just taken a step back. They were an elite defense last year. More so, they allow too many points at the rim. They are they are 21st in rim defense. They opponents shoot 65% at the rim against the Clippers. And I think one, Harrell, even though you don't think of him as a traditional rim protector, he was someone who would take charges. And he was someone who would also, you know, get the occasional emphatic weak side block where you hear him through the basket mic saying, give me that shit. And um, <laughs> they're in Zubox is a big body in the middle, but Serge Ibaka is not the rim protector he used to be, even though he could still get up there every once in a while. Um, and, you know, once you get past the elite perimeter defense of Paul George and Kawhi, who's there to stop them? And then not only that, I think they've taken a step back defensively on the perimeter as well. Like, it's it's just, it's a, it's odd because they have games where you, they, are, they can clearly hang with the elite teams in the NBA, but you could just see so clearly there are some fatal flaws with this team where they could get upset again in the second round. This team could be in the Western Conference Finals. It would uh, not surprise me. It would not surprise me. We could get our long-awaited Clippers, uh, Lakers, Western Conference Finals, which I think would actually be more lopsided than what maybe I would have thought last year. Um, but th- I could also see somebody like the Nuggets or the Blazers, one of these lower-tier teams just come up um, from behind and you know just eliminate the Clippers in and the early rounds, and it just wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. It, it again, it comes down to a thing where I just don't. Again, people making making excuses for them of like, hey, it doesn't regular season games doesn't matter, and I I agree to a certain extent, but there's a certain point where it hits where you go, man, they're they're giving up a lot of games that they have won. Like they are giving up a lot of leads, mm-hmm. and it's concerning. And when you really look into why or how they're giving up these games it's because they're just missing shots down the stretch or they're giving up easy buckets so when you're giving up easy buckets like you can't defend the rim and then you can't attack the rim yeah that's kind of uh... all that stuff matters man yep yeah Uh, and that becomes extremely important down the line so you know and like nick batum as much as uh as much as it's been unexpected that he would be in the starting lineup all this year and be an important part. I think that is also the problem is that Nick Batum is playing an important part (laughs) in the Clippers lineups. I mean, uh, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, whole, like if the ball swings to him in the playoffs for an important shot, what is your confidence level that that shot's going in? And it's like, uh, he could wedgie the side of the rim. Uh, that's, that's how like, Nick Batum, I'm glad that he finally decided to try, but he's still not a good player. They just have not good players. Um, up, they just have players that are a little bit underqualified for the role that they're in. Um, and also, they're paying guys like Luke Kennard, $64 million to just sit on the bench. Um, Reggie Jackson's getting important minutes. Lou Williams falls apart in the playoffs every year. He's um, having a decent season off the bench this year, but he's 34 now, and he's heading into probably another playoffs where he's going to struggle because he's small and can't defend. Um, It's just this team is good, but can they come out of the West? I I don't think so. Neither do I. I 
in total agreement for you there. As you can tell, but I think the Lakers are still coming out of the West. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even with the injuries, I think like I think they're yeah. still coming out of the West. Um All right, so next so, tier. So this is so this is where you had I had the Nuggets here in this tier, and so you have them separate. Yeah, I do um, not have them as a so conference final contender. I didn't until this recent stretch where Paul Millsap has been out. Okay. I really like MPJ at the four. Yes, that is MPJ at the four is a is a nice is a nice development and also probably you know his position for the future, like everybody says. Yeah, I think that I think he defensively is so much better at the four. I think he's quick enough to guard fours. Um, when, you know, I think he's better guarding fours than he was wings. It's where you I limit think, his flaws the most, for sure. Yeah, uh, I think that his ability to stretch and and take bigger fours out, you know, off the dribble is gigantic for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're able to play him more at the four. I think that Millsap being out has sort of been a blessing in disguise of like, oh, then now this works. And I think if you if they continue down that path, and then Millsap comes back and maybe plays off the bench or plays less of a role, um, you know, it allows. Michael Porter Jr. to flourish more in the four, I think that this development could be huge for them. Um, their offense and their, their both their offense and their defense look so much more fluid with him at the four. And it it surprised me how much it changed my mind about them. Um, so I could be I could be knee jerk reacting here, just watching them for you know a week or so uh, with this new development. But yeah, it, mm. it's it's completely changed my way of thinking around around them. Like if this if this becomes the new norm and they keep progressing in this way, it it wouldn't surprise me if they are um, in the discussion down the right. Well, down the line. I mean, it's not like you're overreacting to like a recent like three game sample or whatever. I mean, this team has been playing well uh, for the better part of a month now. The yeah. twenty five and seventeen, they're fifth in the Western Conference. Um, the other thing that we should also mention is that Jamal Murray probably over the last 15 games or so has been playing better than bubble Jamal Murray. Um, even though, yeah, Millsap being out is a Millsap being out is also a blessing in disguise too. Cause I think he's long in the tooth now. And also he's just not the same versatile player that could play next to Jokic, but um, definitely Porter going to be, the four spot has definitely changed things a bit, especially offensively. But the reason I still have the Nuggets in this in my in the next tier, which is tier three, uh, surprise we out here, like surprise we out here in these streets. Uh, I have the Nuggets and the Blazers in this tier. Um, I just I I like I think the Nuggets could be gaining enough momentum for a run at the conference finals again, which is why I have them here. Uh, the things that hold me back with the Nuggets is their defense might look more fluid, but I think it's still more, it's a little too, for lack of a better phrase, I think it's too soft for me. Um, I still think you could probably physically move around Porter, even though he could probably keep up with, you know, perimeter oriented fours more. Um, he definitely has an advantage on the offensive end, but to me, it's just Nikola Jokic just dragging this team along with Jamal Murray, who has, you know, over the last 17 games, averaging 25 a game on 50% shooting from the field and nearly 50% from three. He's been absolutely insane. 
Um, especially after the slow start he had where it was like, oh, there goes Jamal Murray again. You know, he's he can average 18 points during the regular season, but when you want him to take that leap, well, he's kind of been taking the leap. He's taken the leap over the last 20. If you want to go back to the 20-game sample, he's been averaging close to 24 on the same percentages, but he has been amazing. So it's not just maybe the lineup change. I think to me, it's Murray also has been instrumental in this turnaround. Um, Will Barton starting a bit too, but I just, do you still believe in Will Barton? Believe it like in what sense? That, that he's going to, that he's worth, he's a starter and he's worth his, his money. I think he could be a, I think he could be a, on this type of team, I think he should be a spot starter, probably. Uh, I think he's a spot starter, six-man scorer guy is ultimately his ceiling. Um, I would not pay him more than that. And I'm glad that whenever there were probably rumblings at the start of the year of who's going to start, and Will Barton was saying he wanted to start, I'm glad Mike Malone has kind of sifted through all that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I don't believe, do I believe Will Barton as a, Bonafide starter wherever team he goes. No, do I believe he can be a helpful player on a contender like the Nuggets? Yes, I do. I do think the Nuggets also missed Will Barton last year as well. Um, they just needed that extra score from the perimeter. I feel, uh, but yeah, Jokic. I think the main thing. Just let me just read off his stats because they're absolutely ridiculous. It's twenty seven point one points per game. 11.2 rebounds, 8.6 assists, 57% shooting, 42.5% from three, and almost 87% from the free throw line. This is literally one of the best offensive seasons of all time with a bullet, uh, and it's coming from the center position, which is great. Uh, Jokic has just been... He's been ridiculous, and it's like no matter where he is on the floor, it's a good shot for him. Um, he could do his... Sambor shuffle and it'll go in he could do the Dirk one-legged it'll go in he'll run you over and do a soft little hook shot it'll go he is just so supremely skilled and I think anytime the the other reason why I named this tier surprise we out here is because in the playoffs like the scenario last year if you come into the playoffs you know with not maybe the strongest team around your tier one franchise player but with a tier one franchise player armed and ready to go um, I think the Nuggets absolutely have a shot to beat. I think they could beat the Clippers. I think they could beat the Jazz. Rudy or Jokic takes Rudy Gobert to the woodshed every time the Nuggets play the Jazz. Um, so I could definitely see the Nuggets beating the Jazz in a seven-game series. There, Nug Suns. That might be a little bit tough, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Nuggets beat the Jazz. Um, Blazers, who I have next, might be a little. I would. I'd be shocked if the Blazers made it yeah. to the conference finals. But I think that because just means Dame they went have, off. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, Dame is a tier has a is a tier one franchise player. I also think the Blazers have just been too riddled with injuries this year um, that I don't think they're going to have time towards the end of the season to even you know, coalesce properly. Dame has been literally putting, holding this team together with duct tape and bubble gum, like and gorilla glue. It's kind of been ridiculous. I mean, shoot what he's threes doing. into the holes. 
plug up yeah, these pre- holes. Yeah, pretty much. He's just been launching, and also apparently he's just going to have a one thousand percent true shooting percentage in the clutch. So that would be why I have the Blazers in here as well. But as far as the Nuggets go, this would be the team where I'm like, okay, they could probably make a run to the conference finals again, and I wouldn't be surprised. But they just have a weaker team than the other three teams I mentioned above. Yeah, totally agree. Um, what's your feeling on the Blazers? Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm with you of just like Dame's awesome, but he can only do so much. Yeah. Dame can only do so much, man. Like, and then, and in the playoffs when things slow down and when defenses start targeting him, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. Especially when they, well, he already is target, but like, they're just going to focus exclusively on him and be like, okay, Gary Trent, go ahead. Yeah. When they start, when they start really focusing in and honing in on him and in a seven game series i don't know if his legs are going to hold up yeah just, just wear him down just wear him down and you know it only it, that kind of game only worked for so long and especially in the playoffs i don't i don't see that happening so that's why i had them below the nuggets in a different tier because i feel okay. like the nuggets just have more tools yeah um yeah that's probably fair uh so yeah, because the blazers why... the because the blazers are like just out of range with the uh, contenders where if I would be, I would be surprised if they beat any of the tier two teams. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if they beat the nuggets in a series or they end up, you know, well, they're going to be the sixth seed. So it's not like they're going to be playing any of the lower seeds, but like I, and, but if I'm looking at the other teams below them, I think they could beat all of them one in a series and I think they have better tools. I think yeah. the Blazers have better tools than the other teams below them to uh get out of the to get it or to get deeper into the playoffs. Except Definitely. for one team in the next tier. But uh let's let's move on to <laughs> my next let, tier is huge. <laughs> okay. All right. How many teams? I have the, my my sardine can is here. <laughs> yes. We we brought back the sardine can. We're restocking and so who is who how many teams are in this sardine can? I have five teams in the sardine can. Okay. All I have right. I have a third of the conference in this sardine can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The play in game the play in the play in area is definitely a sardine can at this point. But uh, who do you who who do you have? Uh I have Mavericks, Warriors, Spurs, uh Pelicans, Grizzlies in that order. Okay. All right. So let's talk about uh so sorry, wait, who was your first team again? Mavs. Mavericks. Mavericks okay, so I have the Mavericks here in this first uh in this uh tier two. I have it I have it the I called it the play in gulag. <laughs> 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 so I have the Mavericks, Spurs, Grizzlies, and Warriors in here. I do not have the Pelicans in here. Um I will get into that in a second. But um the Mavericks have been playing a hell of a lot better. I got to give them credit. Uh, Porzingis has looked like he's played a little bit better. Um, looks like he's starting to knock the rust off. But Luka has been absolutely absurd um, yeah, over the last we we 15, 20 Luka. games. Yeah, this was the Luka that we thought was going to you know, go into the year as one of the Vegas odds MVP favorites. Um, but... He's been shooting up 40% from three over his last handful of games. He has, the Mavericks have been eight and 10 in their last 10 and their, their uh, better play has gone far beyond that stretch, obviously, but they're the one team where I could see them going into the next year. And because they have 
of somebody like Luca, who is a big winged creator who can also score. I think actually they could have a higher ceiling than the Blazers. Um, if they could get it together. Uh, the thing with the Mavericks is I don't trust their supporting cast as much. Um, it's kind of feast or famine. Jay Rich, Josh Richardson is showing time and is showing as we keep getting removed from his one good season in Miami, that that might be an admiration that he might just yeah. be a, he really... went from one of the most valuable trade assets in the league for about four or five years to now everyone realizing like, why, why do we have him that high? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he's a good defender who is a really streaky three point shooter and also takes dribble in mid range jumpers that are terrible. But uh, Dude, think about it. He was he was the the linchpin of so many trades, and people were like, "No, we're, we can't get rid of Josh. We can't get rid of Josh Richardson." And that's what we thought last. We were like, "Oh, we finally got the guy that <laughs> big coveted in a lot of trades." Josh Richardson, three and D guy, got better every year in Miami. Finally, had a really great career year, and now it's it- so weird because to me, he's like he. <laughs> Everyone thinks that he's like Robert Covington, and every, no one thinks Robert Covington is good. And you're like, bro, I feel like people underrate Robert Covington and overrate Josh Richardson. Like, I feel like yeah. Oh, okay, no, trust me. As somebody who has been a long defender of Robert Covington, don't even talk to me about how underrated I think he is. <laughs> I Dude, I is. love him. I think he's I, great. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. I have, I, I am getting flashbacks of all the debates and wars with NBA Twitter when my little old tweets would just find themselves in the wilderness of wolves, <laughs> you know, on the, on the trending topic. You. Like I have, I, I also, I remember I co-hosted a Sixers podcast for a basketball blog. I used to write for, um, I used to co-host a Sixers podcast for with a dude who just, you know, respect to the guy. We just had, I'll just say we had different thoughts about basketball. I I'll just say that. And so we argued about Robert Covington all the time, as you can imagine. Uh, but yeah, no, Josh Richardson, it turns out he might be, um, turns out he might be overrated a little bit. Uh, he, yeah, he, he's just enough of a ball handler to where if he's your secondary guy. He'll get you in trouble. <laughs> he has a, he has enough of a handle to get you in trouble. He's a streaky three-point shooter, shooting 32% this year. Um, it's just the Mavericks supporting cast. I have to see – I have to trust them in the playoffs. Um, they've been too up and down for me this year. Porzingis is definitely knocking off some rust, like I mentioned, and their offense has been getting back back together. But um, the, the main thing for me is if Luka keeps playing this way, play, um, it's going – yeah, yeah, you got to move them up the tier, and they got to be a dark horse team heading into the playoffs. So they might be in the play in Gulag now, but they're definitely respawning if they make it out. <laughs> I love it. He's Luca. Luca over his last twenty games is shooting forty three percent from three. I think he's starting to figure out his shooting touch, and I think he was always going to figure it out. It just it was. I think we were. Ju- I think the thing with Luca is we want so much from Luca now that we thought. You know, oh, it's his third year. Why isn't he a forty percent three point shooter yet? Which, if right. you think about it on the surface, is kind of absurd <laughs> to expect that already. But we knew he was going to figure out the three pointer eventually. And of course, he's been throwing some absolutely like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson level passes that LeBron level passes that I'm just like, what the 
fuck am I watching right now? Um, like the Lucas, he's he's that dude. He's that dude. That's why I would probably put them over the Blazers eventually. I wouldn't be surprised if I this the season ends and the Mavs are over the Blazers for me in the tier list. Yeah. For sure. Um, so the next team, the Spurs, um, the reason I have the Spurs here and why they have a better record than the Mavericks, I just don't, it's the, for me, it's the Luca thing. They don't, DeJounte Murray's been, yeah, they don't have the guy. DeJounte Murray's been great this year. DeMar DeRozan, I think we can now classify him as, although saying that he's underrated, if you watch basketball, we all know DeMar DeRozan has been kind of underrated the last few years. Like he's been turning it around. He's been a better passer. Um, he's been a more efficient scorer in his time in San Antonio. But um, it, so it's not a surprise to us that, that, but he might, I think he's starting to become an overrated, underrated player. You know how everybody for a long time was like, Mike Conley's the most underrated point guard in the NBA. And it's like, well, if everybody's saying that, how is he underrated? Um, right. But uh, I think DeMar DeRozan has definitely transformed himself. And so that to me is, why I think that's an advantage in a playing situation. Um, they have a bunch of young guys that I like. Keldon Johnson just bullies his way to the rim. Patty Mills is now kind of the old sage guy on coming off the bench and still shooting threes at a high level. Um, finally, the, the, the whole LaMarcus Aldridge thing, at least part of that saga is over. They're, he's not playing as much. But um, yeah, the, the Spurs bench is incredible again. Pop has... It kind of retooled this roster and retooled the playing style. And now young guys like DeJounte Murray, um, Lonnie Walker, um, guys, guys I haven't even heard of, like, uh, you know, Lucas Simonich, um, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, just the Spurs just keep are full of surprises. And, you know, last year it wasn't so great. And there was a little bit of rumblings through, you know, the basketball Twitter community and all that stuff about like, oh, I haven't really liked the decisions the Spurs have made the last few years. Uh, some of their draft picks haven't really, uh, you know, panned out. You know, a lot of now I will say a lot of their draft picks are good players, but what are they ultimately going to be down the road? And when are you going to start thinking about maybe moving some of these guys? Because you can't pay everybody and lock yourself down with this type of roster. But, you know, they've hit on draft picks. They're flexible now. They have, they still have younger players coming in through the pipeline, and they are definitely getting valuable experience in their five games above 500, which is definitely way more ahead than I thought they were going to be this year. So this is why Pop to me is the greatest coach ever. Yeah, totally agree. I I think right now I'm just banking on the Spurs role players to be role players. Um, but like you said, the 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 reason I have the Warriors and the Mavericks ahead of them is just the star power of just, I just trust Steph and yeah. Luka more. Um, where I don't feel like as good as DeRozan is, I just don't, I, again, I think he's a star and I think he can, I think he's someone that can carry a team to a point. Uh, Luca and Steph are superstars. And there's, I'll there's get the guys Warriors that like, I will, that I trust more. Uh, the Steph injury is a concern and I still, I'm still they're supporting so cast by, man and their yeah. coaching. I just, I can't. I, I, I'm still so confused. <laughs> I can't. I think we're starting to figure out that maybe Steve Kerr is more of a Phil disciple than a pop disciple. Um, yeah, just, let, just let the talent work its magic. He's the he's the mind yeah, gamer. He's like, no, we're going to the talent is going to adjust to the system 
not the other way around. And also, like, he does, like, the weird Phil Jackson substitution patterns where, like, Steph's going into the fourth quarter with, like, seven minutes left in the game. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what? <laughs> like, what? What are we? What's going on here? So I, I get what you're saying about the Warriors. And absolutely, I am a Steph stan. I defend Steph everywhere I go. But I just do not trust, outside of Steph and Draymond, I do not trust the rest of the team around it. Even if Wiggins is having a good year, um, even if Oubre has turned it around since stinking it up like a trash can to start the year. Um, yeah, some of their big... You don't trust, you don't trust Oven Mitts himself, Mr. James, James Wiseman? <laughs> Mr. Oven. <laughs> Mr. Ovenvitz. Yeah, uh, his hands have been... I will say, the last few games, his hands have been better. I'm just like, whoa, you didn't fumble it for the fifth time this game. It was only the third time. Right, there's, there's time. <laughs> it's it's weird, and it's funny to me how much... Because he has some great touch on his jumper. Yeah. He can shoot the ball. And I just can't... When you have the touch like that... Why One can't pick you, and pops. Well, why can't you just grab the ball? <laughs> like, <laughs> you obviously have good feel with the ball in your hands. You, like, you normally guys don't have touch if they don't have good feel with the ball in their hands. And like, you know, yeah. usually it's a good sign of hands when you when you have and feel for the game if, if you can shoot like that. Um, man, he just like, <laughs> dude, I don't understand the ball. Just like it just it's like it's like his hands. Are, he, it's like he's trying to catch a watermelon. <laughs> Like it's really I don't um, I don't know if you'll get the you might <laughs> you're the same age as me you might do you remember Flubber? Yeah, I remember. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Flubber. It's like it's like it's like James put, put uh, like James put his put Flubber on his shoes like they do in the movie, right? <laughs> and then he's jumping out of the gym and he's making all these movies, he's jumping in the air, but then he forgot to take he caught he forgot to wash his hands. So the flubber's still on his hands, so they just bounce off <laughs> wow. his hands, right? <laughs> what a reference! I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's a it's a stretch, it, but like you get what I'm saying. I get I get what you I get what you're saying. No, I I hey, as somebody who also does some obscure references, I I am with you fully on this. Like it's really it's really it's really weird because he has some great touch. If he catch once he catches the ball around it's the great. basket. Like he can lay it up with touch. He, like there'll be defenders like keeping their hands up around him, and he'll just rise up softly and even, get him. Even he can even handle. He has dribble. Like he yeah, can, he could dribble can the ball. Yeah, like he could. Like there, there is obviously there's just things that are raw with Wiseman that'll come with time. And also, I just think Steve Kerr needs to just start running more pick and rolls and pick and pops with Wiseman. Can we stop posting him up, please? Like. Post him up sometimes, but like the guy has a great face. He he obviously is more comfortable facing up. He has a nice touch on his jumper, nice handle. Um, so let's just uh, let's just keep that. it simple for the for the rook, you know. But it's the other supporting, it's the supporting cast around the Warriors that I that I just I think as a team, obviously the Warriors have a top three guy in Steph, right? But it's just like a bunch of really just. Is a, it's a really below average uh, supporting <laughs> cast once you go beyond Steph and Draymond, and that's why I have the Spurs above them. Is just because I think the coaching's better. I think the in terms of 
take out Steph and Draymond, the Spurs team is way more talented and better than the Warriors team. And so I don't even know if Steph could if Steph could average like 35, 5, and 5 on like a 70 true shooting percentage. And I'm not so sure the Warriors would make it out of the play. It <laughs> is my point. It's fair. It's totally fair. I think all to me, there's huge questions with every team in this. Oh yeah. This is the this, this is the gulag, of course. Yeah. There, of course there are questions. <laughs> Like this is why the Grizzlies aren't here for me too. So I have, I have the Spurs, then the Grizzlies, then the Warriors, just because I think the Grizzlies do have some star power with John Morant, even if, um, even if he's been inconsistent and was injured to uh, start the year. Um, I th- I like the Wizard or the Wizards. I like the Grizzlies talent from top to bottom. I like, I'm. <laughs> I can't believe the Suns had DeAnthony Melton at one point. Um, yeah, and then they traded I love him. Anthony Melton. Uh, like he he is a when the Suns when the Suns signed him, I was like, oh man, this this could be really good. Um, but they then they traded him. Um, I like the rookies they have: De- Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't even played yet. Um, they just have so much talent from top to bottom. And Justice Winslow finally came back. They. They have so much talent from top to bottom that I think that I would like the, their makeup. I like in a play-in game, especially as you know, th- as they start to get more rhythm and consistency together. I just think from top to bottom, I like the Grizzlies roster more than the Warriors roster as well. Even if the Warriors have Stephen Curry and Draymond, it's the same thing with the Spurs. Um, except the Grizzlies have probably. They're probably a little bit more high octane than the Spurs, but they're just a little bit too inconsistent for me to put them above the Spurs, if that makes any sense. Um, sure. But, but I like, but I like the. I've always been a fan of the Grizzlies' talent and their the youth on that team, and also, I really want to see now that Justice Winslow's back how he's going to fit in with this team. Hopefully, you know, he could stay healthy and all that. But um, I, I think going into the playoffs. I, this would probably be my four right now, as as of right now. Uh, Mavericks, Spurs, Grizzlies, Warriors. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I have the but Pelicans you said you had the Pelicans. I do. You... I have them slightly on the outside looking in. I love Point Zion. I can't get over Point Zion. <laughs> does it? I love Point Zion too. But does it concern you that Stan Van Gundy has not done a good job coaching this year? Um, they still, they blow a lot of double digit leads, especially in the fourth quarter. And apparently they can't seem to figure out who gets the ball in crunch time. The guy who shoots the guy who can't be stopped or the guy guy who can't be stopped at the rim or the guy that shoots mid range jumpers. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, does any of that concern you? The power struggle concerns me because I don't think BI quite like, I, I don't, I think brand, I think. B.I. has sort of been touted as the guy. Like, he was touted as the guy in L.A. for so long. And then finally now he gets his chance to be the guy. Um, where now he, like, I feel like his talent has finally matched the expectation of him. And so I think there is an expectation that he is the guy. But at the same time, I think Zion is too nice of a player and too much of a team player to really take on and say, like, yeah, okay, this is mine. Um. Mm. Just again, I don't know him personally, but I'm just by the way that Zion everyone talks about Zion and the way that he carries himself. He's definitely he's, a team first guy. He's such a team first guy that I think he just kind of says, Okay, B I go. 
Yeah. Where I think he needs to demand the ball a little bit more in those crunch situations. Um, I also think Sam Van Gundy needs to draw plays for uh, yeah for Zion too, which is the other thing. Yeah, I I'm like I'm I'm infatuated with Point Zion. I'm infatuated with Lonzo finally getting some respect that he deserves. Um, but yeah, the and the, the again they're the they're the weirdest team. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I, every time I watch them, I'm like, man, they look so good. And then the fourth quarter comes. And then and they, they just, just like collapse. collapse. My God, I have seen like I've seen like five or six this year, and I know there's more than that. Like that Portland one uh, last week, I believe that was like that was one of the most egregious ones. And now look, Dame hit some ridiculous shots, but you could just see it was like a it's like a predict it's like you it's like watching you it's like a predictable plot point in a show. Like you've seen a show so many times, and you're just like, okay, this is how it's gonna go. And boom, next thing you know, a couple turnovers here, a Brandon Inger missed jumper there, a missed put back here. Blazers start slowly creeping in. Timeouts, five minutes left. Pelicans are still up eight. Um, not feeling too great, but you're still in the lead. And then next thing you know, you're losing. And it's just, there. yeah. There's just things that I struggle with with the Pelicans, like the fact that Stan Van Gundy was touted as a guy that was going to make this team play defense, and in fact, they are 28th defensively um, per cleaning the glass. They allow 117.4 points per 100 possessions, which, by the way, the the next team up, 27th, they are behind the 27th team by nearly two full points per 100 possessions. Like. This team is bad defensively. By the way, Sacramento is literally one of the worst defensive teams of all time. They are almost allowing 120 points per 100 possessions. Oh my Just, god! Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's awful, dude. the The Kings lost to the Sixers, got blown out by the Sixers without Embiid or Ben Simmons. Like that is insane. But um, anyway, <clears throat> back to the Pelicans. I just don't. I think. I had questions about Stan Van Gundy going into the year. I still thought he was a good coach, but I did have my concerns about, you know, is how did he change his coaching style? Is he going to come in with the same mentality and all that stuff? And it sounds like for the most part, it is, it's more the same stuff, or at least he hasn't figured out the problems that plagued the Pelicans last year that allegedly Alvin Gentry was responsible for because they're still a really good offense once again. But then, you know, Eric Bledsoe will play crunch time minutes and it's like, no, what is he doing? Stop, please. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, do we play Steven Adams and clog the paint up for Zion? Or do they just have a lot? They have a lot of weird pieces. And I think their GM has also made this roster weird in a way. Like this kind of crunched this roster in a weird way. And now they have to make th- some decisions. Do they trade Lonzo? Can they give Lonzo 20 million? Do you want to tie your cap space up with, um, <clears throat> Lonzo Ball and a few other pieces. Um, I do think they're. I don't believe this, but um, I do think you know you're gonna start. You're already hearing it from guys like Bill Simmons and stuff, but you're gonna start hearing rumblings about can Ingram and, and Zion play together, much like you heard the same shit with Simmons and Embiid. But yeah, there's just there's I think I think there's just I stuff think, brewing. I think Ingram and Zion are a better fit like natural fit than Zion than Embiid and, and Simmons. Yeah. But I, th- I understand the concern. Um, 
but yeah, offensively I, at least. Yeah, offensively at least. I think defensively they're still a total mess. But the <laughs> yeah, for me, I I put them in this tier just because look, they're a game out of the play-in spot of the tenth spot. Mm. Um, given all of these concerns, and I've just seen two them... and a half. Oh yeah, two and a half. So I've I've just seen them too in too many close games against te- really really good teams where they they have the game won and they just give it up. And like to me, when I look at yeah, a team, when it looks good, it looks good. Yeah, and I I just look at a team and I go, man, if they can just tweak one or two things, if they can just get consistent, which again they they were right before the bubble, they were coming on hot. Mm-hmm. And and like Lonzo's a notorious slow starter, uh, Ingram is a notorious slow starter. So you know, if if in this second half they can turn it on, and at least get a little better, I could see them getting one of the playoff spots. And not oh, even yeah. a little better, just yeah. a little more consistent. Just right? yeah. like that, yeah. And <clears throat> so to me, like I, the Grizzlies have been the Grizzlies the entire year. Uh, the spur like the all the teams above except for maybe the Warriors and the Mavericks. I think like well, okay, so like Grizzlies, Spurs, mainly who I'm talking about. Like I know what they are, and they've been the same way the entire year. They they played really really well. I still feel like there's room, and we've seen that there's room with the Pelicans. Where like man, they have a lot of leads in a lot of games, and they give them up. And all it all it's going to take is a little bit of tweaking. And if they can tap into it somehow, then I think they can they can beat out those teams. For starters, but, just give Zion the damn ball in crunch time, please. Yeah, I I don't I, mind Ingram. Look, I think Ingram's a good player. I think he'll be an all-star type of player, but I think Zion is already better than Ingram. To me, um, to me, Zion's generational. To me, Zion's, yeah, Zion, Zion's like a yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going out. I know Zion's only played what 60 odd games or something like that, but it's pretty clear to me that Zion's better than ingram um even with ingram's improvements and the type Dude, of ceiling 30, that i think he, he has 30 points the other night on like 14 shots oh it's ridiculous like he's consistently averaging over 25 a game on like shack level efficiency or Giannis level efficiency around the rim like it's absurd like and the fact that they finally put him in situations where he could triple threat face up and use that lightning that i don't even know what to call that first step from like catch to from catch to takeoff is like the most exhilarating thing in the NBA for me is Zion's like catch the ball into the first step. Cause you're just like, okay, here it comes because you know, it's coming, but the dude, a, a dude who is that huge moving like that. Next thing you know, he teleports to the rim and he's like flying into a body and scoring. And it's like, even in that Blazers game, like, Lonzo just threw a full court, just perfect dime to Zion at the end. And they still had a chance to win it, even though they, you know, choked the lead or whatever. But after the free throws, Lonzo just took the ball and threw a laser perfect Patrick Mahomes-esque pass to Zion, who just jumped up, grabbed it, and tried to get off a as clean of a layup as you could and it almost went in. Like the dude is a finishing machine. I like his technique when he finishes around the rim. Um, mm-hmm. just everything about it. And that is one tweak I think they could fix. I hopefully I would hope Stan Van Gundy would at least, you know, do that because you're right. As much as, as as, as low as I think I'm starting to get on the Pelicans just because of their inconsistency and in the infrastructure and how they built the team. And I think David Griffin has been overrated as a general manager for a long time. 
Um, <clears throat> even though I definitely would have taken him over Brian Colangelo. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I just you look at Zion and you're just like, but there's the guy right there, you know, like, and he's been healthy this year. So I got to give, he's got to, I got to give it to him. He's been healthy this year. So the Pelicans could definitely teeter back into the gulag, but to me, they're in tier five for me, navigating youth. And this is where I have the Oklahoma city thunder slightly ahead of the Pelicans, because at least I know and yes, 95% of it is because Pokashevsky has been starting. No, and in all seriousness, <laughs> um, in all seriousness, I think the Thunder have an identity, kind of. And I think for a young team with identity, I don't think the Pelicans really have an identity. I don't know what the hell they are. Um, I do know that the Thunder are led by Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is going to be one of the special point guards in the league. They are competent defensively. They play hard. Um, I think uh, I'm trying to figure out. I think it was Tyler Parks of the Ringer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, but earlier in the season, he appropriately nicknamed Lou Dort Dort Knox, which I think is just an amazing. I think it is an amazing nickname for a guy like Lou Dort. Did you see the Rockets game the other night? Um, or at least no. the end. Oh, of where it? he got the block. Where he got the block on John yeah. Wall. The game, the game ceiling block, and knocked it off John Wall yeah. out of that. That was. That that's the type of stuff that is like I, I was maybe a lit maybe it was going into the year I was a little naive and I put the Thunder higher than a lot of people did. I had them as a playing team only because I knew this team was going to play hard. And yes, Chris Paul wasn't there, but I just think it maybe it was some maybe maybe it was me <laughs> believing in some voodoo bullshit where it was like oh Chris Paul's residual culture was left behind and Shea Gilgis Alexander learned it and uh, is spreading it to his teammates or whatever but I like the Thunder's identity they play hard they're a competent defense um yeah offensively it's going to be a struggle at times but I like that their young players aren't scared I like that Pokusevsky in one game in the same game can throw three behind the back passes when he can normally just swing the ball like a normal player should and turn it over but then in the same game make like five threes in a row like I just love the confidence of these players and I like a lot of the younger players um and the veterans on that team more so than I do for the Pelicans I think the Pelicans have the two well, I think they have the one incandescent star in Zion Williamson, right? But to me, it's a lot of odd-fitting pieces. To me, the Thunder have more better-fitting pieces, even though they're raw. And yes, Pokushevsky is probably the worst player in the NBA, but it, he's awesome. <laughs> I love watching. For real, I love watching Pokushevsky because you don't know what when the hell gonna is going to happen. Awesome. You don't know what's going to happen. He'll, it's awesome. he'll, it, 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 and... I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is just a he's gonna be a special point guard to me. Um how high of a star he can be, who knows? But I do think he's a special player. And I just like the Thunder a little bit more just because they have that identity and I know who is going to be their go-to guy in crunch time if we get into a potential, you know, down the stretch of the season, not necessarily the play-in, but playing in for a play-in spot. Um Dude, I could I definitely can't, I can't wait. I can't wait for the playoffs to start. And yeah, I know. It. It's gonna and, be it's and, gonna be really interesting. And it's, it's they're down they're down by two. Ready? I'm setting it up for you. They're down by two. There's ten seconds left. Shave. <laughs> they get the rebound. <laughs> they get a stop. They get the rebound. Pokashevsky bring it up the floor. SGA is like, give me the ball. We're gonna set up the offense. And Pokashevsky says, 
nah, and waves them off. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just starts getting getting into his real package. He's, <laughs> he's st- he starts bending his hips and starts dribbling right between his legs. He's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> it's my time. It's my time. <laughs> And, then, and Shay Gill just Alexander's like slowly lowering his hand, like, no, he's not. <laughs> it's the moment, the moment that gets me. It's the, it's my favorite moment too. It's the Jeremy Lin waving off Kobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Kobe's just like raising Are his you, hands, like, what yeah. the fuck? And then Jeremy Lin made the shot, and Kobe was like, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> except, except with Pokushevsky is probably going to hit the side of the backboard. Yeah, it's going like, to like he's going to do the Nick Young. He's going to shoot it and turn around. And it's going to airball. <laughs> no, for real. Like, well, two Saturdays ago, I was catching up on the uh, the Mavericks Thunder game. The Mavericks uh, played in OKC, and literally, um, I'm not. Sh- I'm pretty sure it was George Hill who swung the ball to Pokushevsky. Uh, on the uh, on the uh, left wing, but he tried a behind the back pass back up to the top of the key, and he just turned it over. He could have just normally passed it back, like no effort whatsoever. But he was like, "Nah, let's add some flair to this normal dude, routine play." Dude, don't don't make fun of Pokerski, right? He, he no, I'm, playing, I'm saying I love he up, it. He grew up playing NBA Street. He tried to build that game breaker. <laughs> Oh, that game breaker theme! He's trying, to, he's trying to get those. He's trying to get those style points to build up that game breaker. You know what I'm saying? Like he's trying to. Man, shout out Pokushevsky, man. I just, I just I think him, I trust dude. the Thunder a little bit more than the Pelicans. Is all I'm saying. Like as it's much totally as I love fair. Zion, as much as I. Love, but uh, real quickly, we're we have a new team, by the way, based on our, you know tier list at the start of the season we have a new team that is probably in the last tier which is tier six for me and is i just the rockets <laughs> i yeah i titled this tier simply lol and uh i have the kings the timberwolves and the rockets in that order um i think it's safe to say the kings are out of this uh they have the worst defense in nba history they have absolutely checked out on Luke Walton. They have been playing a bit harder in some of these other games, but the other night they just got ramrodded by the Sixers without ramrodded. <laughs> yeah, with without Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and it was it was a game where I thought I saw that Ben Simmons was out and I was like, "Oh cool, so the Sixers are just going to score 80 points." Nope. The Kings allowed like 130 points against them. <laughs> and they just, they have one of the worst defenses. The only saving grace here is that De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are absolutely the people you build around. Marvin Bagley, he has played well and He's has built up. Around. Yeah, he has been building up his value to where I think, um, I think a first rounder, like a late first rounder is not a crazy asking price for Marvin Bagley because he has legit played well and he gives a shit. And um, I think, so to be fair, the asking price for Lonzo Ball has been a first round pick, like a good first round pick. That's why I said late first rounder for Marvin. I said late first rounder for Marvin. I don't, I don't know how good the pick the first. I don't know how good the first round pick is, but I know it's not going to be like a mid or an early (laughs) twenty. I think it's like a late, a late first rounder. Um, I think you could get. I think that that wouldn't surprise me. 
Um, but I think Marvin Bagley's trade built up his trade value enough. I think they got to be sellers here at the trade deadline. I really think it would be malpractice to go in to the rest of this season. And I feel like we're having deja vu. I, this is like a legit deja vu moment for me on the podcast right now. It's freaking me out kind of because we are, I was talking to somebody in the situation about the Kings and this situation, but it also might just because the Kings have been bad <laughs> for a while, long time, but I swear yeah. um, this is a, th- this is a team to me. They got to be sellers. They got to try to find a trade partner for Harrison Barnes, who I think has been awesome this year. Mm-hmm. They got to, I think they could get some value for Buddy Heald. But for me, they just got to get a higher draft pick and build around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Keep Rashawn Holmes. Evan Mosley uh, with, with them would be really interesting. That would be an, that would be interesting. I haven't I haven't divin deep into the prospects yet, even though I've been watching a lot of the March Madness tournament. But uh, Evan Mobley would be an interesting fit with those two in particular. But uh, I do think the Kings have things to look forward to in the future, though. I like that they dipped into the Daryl Morey tree. I want to give him a few years to sort things out because I do think Vlade had fucked this team to a degree <laughs> that is very. It'll take a bit to. It'll take a bit to fix some stuff. But the Kings have stuff to look forward to. But the first order of business is to fire Luke Walton. Um, and Monty needs to get a coach that, one, that's his guy. Luke Walton wasn't Monty McNair's guy um, when he came in as the president of basketball operations. He was Vlade's guy. And I think the first order of business is to get rid of Luke and have this team play in an offense that is sensible for the fastest point guard in the NBA. The fact that they are not... They, the fact that they consistently hover around the top 10 in pace and aren't like top three in pace like they were under Dave Yeager is inexcusable, inexcusable. And I just think that um, the Kings just need they, the fresh start is still turning over. And I think that starts with Luke Walton. So I the Kings are the top of this list for me. Um, I don't know so, if you have any Kings thoughts, but go for no, it. No, that's about it. I just want to say shout out to Luke Walton and Log Vox. Once a Laker, always a Laker. Keep fucking the Kings. Good job, guys. <laughs> the, sac- the Sacramento Queens. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, okay. So next on this list, I have the Timberwolves, which is amazing because they still have the worst record in the NBA, despite the fact that the Rockets have lost 20 in a row. Um, literally, insane to me. It is literally insane. But Anthony Edwards has started to put it together over the last month, so that's something Wolves fans can cheer about. He might, uh, he might st- steal. He might steal Rookie of the Year now that Lomelo's out. Yeah, or it's him and it's him and Halliburton. Well, Halliburton hasn't really played well since his since he's come back from injury, but he's starting to pick it up. But it's going to be those two for sure, which is also a bummer, by the way. I can't believe. Going back to Lamelo, like that is just an absolute I bummer. <laughs> it's such I, a bummer. He is so fun, man. He is so fun he, to watch. He was, and the thing is, like, he deserved that award so much. Yep, he yep. played his ass off. He started time. pulling ahead. He was the to me, he was the clear rookie of the year. By oh my you know. god, he was so much fun to watch. He's yeah, like, but hey, we Anthony, don't know. He, he could still come back. We don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But um, Anthony Edwards could steal this award. Um, I also just, I'm watching this team and I'm just like, well, obviously Carl Anthony Towns has been through a lot of stuff this year, but I'm just thinking about like, you could, I just look at Carl Anthony Towns in the same way I've looked at Devin Booker for 
since he was drafted and everybody was calling him a good stats, bad team guy, good stats, bad team guy. I think he could win games with Carl Anthony Towns. And I think you, with the proper team around him, if you build around his special offensive talents, I think in a way they're contenders in the same way the Nuggets are a contender around Nikola Jokic's offensive game. Now, obviously, Jokic is a tier above Carl Anthony Towns, but Carl Anthony Towns has that ceiling as an offensive player. I know we've seen it. Um, it's just this team has been bad. Andrew Wiggins, uh, it, from Andrew Wiggins, trading Zach Levine maybe too early, even though Zach Levine wasn't necessarily a good, uh, a, not the offensive, certainly not the offensive player we know now. Um, but just, I'm thinking of like the Thunder. I was thinking about this. And then I looked on Twitter and realized I wasn't the only one thinking about this. So it's not a novel thought. <laughs> not a novel thought. <laughs> I thought I had a light bulb because I saw a Twitter question. It was like, who do you think the Thunder would trade for in the next three years with everything they have, the draft picks, the young players yeah, and all that. Towns. And I was thinking, Ooh, Carl Anthony towns. And I thought it was some unique light bulb moment. And then I look at the replies and it was cat, Carl Anthony towns, cat, Carl. Anthony. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't, maybe I wasn't so unique, but just imagine like if the thunder could get Carl Anthony towns in that culture. Now, like with the Timberwolves, like with the Kings, the, the Timberwolves did dip into the Daryl Morey tree, and they're not even a full season under Garrison Rosas. But I have to think he wants to start fresh at some point, too. You obviously don't want to trade a player like Cat, but if it starts getting to that point. Yeah. And like, okay, I think the about... Thunder could work. At, I think the, the Thunder will be sniffing around soon, probably. We did. And. I think the interesting thing here too is like we brought up Wiggins earlier and how he's kind of been up and down this year with the Warriors and like you don't really trust him. He, I don't trust him either, and I I think that you know we he's certainly been shorted his potential of what we thought he was when he came out in the draft, but he is playing a lot, a hell of a lot better than he did yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah, and it and it it dawns on you of like it probably is a it it does come down to a culture thing there. Mm-hmm. And like, if Towns is this good in Minnesota now, what could he be with a, an organization that he loves and trusts him and puts pieces around him that, you know, that he can really play with? Um, like, okay, okay, or or, not to go back to Lamelo, but Charlotte, the Hornets need a center that could do something anything out of a pick and roll with Lamelo because <laughs> every time rumors like, are trying to they're trying to trade for Harrell. Because Bismack Biombo, he really only makes a layup when he gets spoon fed at the rim. He can't really do anything else. Cody Zeller, my God, bless his heart. But when he tries to drive from the three point line when the <laughs> mellow kicks it at the top of the key, it's it's awful. If they just get an offensive a center that could do something out of a pick and roll off of a Lamelo pass, maybe Vucevic, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, or before on the trade deadline podcast or when we were talking about trade scenarios. Um, but, or Carl Anthony Towns. Or, like with the Thunder, imagine Shea Gilgis Alexander and Carl Anthony Towns at a pick and roll. It's better than D'Angelo Russell. Or, you know, like... Poor D'Lo. D'Lo's going to get stuck in Minnesota. Yeah, I just... D'Lo, I think, is destined to be that type of player, though. Did, just, did you see the tweet? Someone roasted him super hard. 
someone because his his nickname is deloading right or like his twitter handle deloading someone was like you've been deloading for several seven years it was it's that so one good, dude. yeah it's so <laughs> it was it was the reply to that tweet he had he was like anthony edwards rookie of the year right after the yeah Lamello I, feel like news. I feel like that's pretty tasteless too but fucking he's, he's well, also there might be some hidden stuff there because lonzo ball did a you know the ousted, lonzo ball yeah. was kind of the reason Russell was ousted in LA. Well, but yeah, I saw the first reply to that tweet was you've been deloading for several <laughs> years, seven years now. <laughs> it's so it's so funny to me, dude. <laughs> All right, last team before we go. Um a team that if you just listen to our earlier podcast, we could not have been more wrong about this Rockets team. Um We believe to be we fair, believe to be fair, Christian Wood's been hurt. Christian Wood has been hurt, yes, and, and he he's back, he's awesome. He came back and been a beast. He's been he he didn't lose a step when he came back. Which yeah, is insane. But he hasn't been he hasn't been playing. They dropped they dropped Cousins, who hey, they, he wasn't making a difference. But whatever, he they, that was part of our original thought. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they didn't follow. The, they didn't follow the plan. They didn't. I, <laughs> they, didn't <follow> <laughs> they didn't follow the plan of the Kentucky re, reunion. <laughs> <laughs> okay and then uh and and walls walls honestly looked good like i don't i don't think he's looked that as bad as their record shows i think he's been i think physically well. he i think physically he looks good i just think that team that whole team's a mess and i feel bad <laughs> I, I feel bad for steven silas man because like imagine you get your first opportunity coaching you think you're going to be coaching harden and westbrook westbrook and harden allegedly gave the rockets their blessing to <laughs> to hire steven silas and you're thinking like, oh, cool, I'm going to coach a MVP candidate and star player in Russell Westbrook. And then you're just next thing you know, you're at a 20 game losing streak. And I just I just feel bad for Silas because it's it's just another it's just another it, coupled with the fact that it's tough for black coaches to get head to get a head coaching job in the NBA. And you really have to make I think any minority in the NBA, they're forced to make this first impression that you have to have that is key to you continuing to get other jobs and moving on up in the NBA. I just, I think it's unfortunate for Silas, but, yeah. uh, but it, the timing's just terrible. The timing's like just that. terrible. And the team is just Oladipo is just waiting to be traded. PJ Tucker was literally just meandering through the season until he got traded to a contender. <clears throat> Eric Gordon's hurt. Um, they have some promising pieces. Like like you said, Christian Wood has been a beast when he's been on the court this year. Didn't miss a beat when he came back from his nasty ankle injury. Jay Sean Tate is a nice rookie to have. Um, they they have little things there. They have draft picks now. They have um they they have draft picks, they have capital, but it's just it it's bad over there at Houston, man. And by the way, it's just more hilarious because what what the other basketball thing that's been circulating at least a little bit on Twitter is when Bill Simmons tried to make James Harden a Ewing theory candidate for the Rockets when the Rockets were semi playing okay and now they've lost twenty in a row. Yeah, <laughs> while Harden is playing his way back into the MVP conversation, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is which would be in. I think we're having a reckoning just real quickly before we go. I think we're about to have a reckoning with MVP, MVP voting this year. Um, 
because there is no favorite now that LeBron and Embiid's out. But it's like, oh, do we vote for Giannis again? Because um, he's been better than last year, and the Bucks are finally turning it around. Or do we vote for Harden, the guy who showed up like you know Charles Barkley does on Inside the NBA? Um, it, uh, except on the basketball court, he literally threw the the highlight that'll stick out to me is him throwing that cross court pass to John Wall, almost out of bounds, just out of disgust and laziness, and he's just like, I'm done with this situation, yeah. and now. He might win MVP. So we're about to have a reckoning this year, I feel. Definitely. No, yeah. Um, and it's definitely not the reckoning Pop- Papa John's is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping someone would get this reference if they hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, that's that's my whole tier list. Um, I think we agree all for the most part. I think we just again. I think we just disagree on the the gap Where? between the teams. Yeah, yeah. The West is the West is definitely packed between five and ten, and maybe eleven if you know Zion starts actually touching the ball in crunch time. But um, yeah, to me, this is the whole. This ends on Anthony Davis's health. I think LeBron yeah. will be fine coming back from the high ankle sprain, even though that's that is a bad injury. Um, I mean, but, it's just—it's not a—it's not a—it's not the worst injury, but it's the one that takes a while. Yeah, yeah. It's just one the, that takes weeks. The high ankle sprain is the one where ligaments are actually kind of strained a little bit too, yeah. like in the higher part of the ankle. So we'll yeah. see. But Anthony Davis is the one where, if he's healthy and the Lakers show some some semblance of signs going into the playoffs, I'm fine taking them. Um, but. We're both high on the Suns, man. I love the Suns. I love. So do I. I, I absolutely love the Suns. I was on their. I was on the. I was on the train so fucking early, dude. As soon as yeah. they got Chris Paul, I was on. I was on. I was. I was on the train too, but I was more in like the. I was more in the fifth car, just in the same spot. <laughs> I in the same spot I've been waiting in because I have loved the Devin Book. I have the Devin Booker train that I was sitting on turned into the sun's train. And then I just saw you walk up to the front with the VIP ticket. Like we're going to the conference finals. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, finals. it's like, Oh, okay, cool. And I just read my newspaper on the fifth car. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Is there any other parting conference thoughts you have before we uh, go? No, I did want to, I, I had like fun comments and fun questions, but we had not enough time for that. This episode. I do want to bring up this thing though. And I think I talked about it before. I've never seen, and I've had this thought all year, and I've never seen a player get hit in the mouth more than Montrezl Harrell. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not even joking. That dude gets hit in the face. He does. At least, every, at least three times a game. <laughs> every I, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking of it's not a passing thought i have but every time i do watch laker games he does seem to get popped in the face like there's always a camera shot of him on the floor and i always think like is he embellishing it so the refs can trigger <laughs> a review <Yeah. laughs> like kind of like what jimmy butler did earlier it, in the year <laughs> it's funny though because when you you think that and then you watch the replay and you go oh dude he got popped yeah he got popped <laughs> like, he he sticks his nose in there man like he he gets it out the mud yeah like i really respect the the battling that he does down low and like obviously if you battle down low you're gonna get you're gonna get clicked. yeah um but like man that guy i feel he wears the grills i feel like he needs to wear a mouthpiece more often because like yeah that <laughs> like he gets destroyed in there yeah that seems like and, a hazard <laughs> and i'm like man respect dude but like protect like, please wear a mouth <laughs> please yeah, wear please. a mouthpiece 
those those expensive your, diamonds in your grill might cut the inside of your yeah, lip <laughs> for your safety and for others yeah. <laughs> he got he's got a big ass mouth too man like you gotta you gotta make sure you're not biting down on yeah 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 <laughs> yeah he does get he does get popped in the face quite a bit um and it it's it's uh but you know that's that's the life of a player like Montres harrell you know it's true it's true but like man i've never seen even even like when you think about like bruiser kind of guys i've never seen someone take as much punishment to the face as he does like rodman didn't even take as many shots to the face as he does maybe because rodman's more athletic and could get out of the way <laughs> a little mm-hmm. quicker <laughs> right <laughs> but like man trez just gets in there and he just like <laughs> dude i've never seen it happen before where you just Every time I watch him, I'm like, oh, man, that looked bad. And they show the replay, and there's, like, the ripples in his face and the jaws going off in the different direction. You're like, oh, my God, he got destroyed. And, yep. then, he, and then he just, like, shakes it off like a boxer and keeps going. I'm like, Jesus. I yep. don't know if I'd have the mental fortitude to keep going back in there after that. Well, you know, this it's good that, uh, you know, I stopped playing high school basketball because <laughs> as somebody who was playing in the post a bit, you there there is definitely com- hand-to-hand combat down there. And sometimes the hands might fly into the face or, you know, a little bit in the upper chest area. And you're just like, oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets dirty down there in the trenches. Yeah, man. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, <laughs> An hour 30. An <laughs> hour 30. Lego. Uh, thanks, guys, for watching. Uh, Coming to in next week. We'll have an uh, actual time for a fun question, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. The B.O.B.